0: Hello and welcome to Cycling Talk with me, George Mahoney. Today, I'm joined by Scottish mountain bike rider, Isla Short. Thank you for joining me today, Isla. Thanks for having me. Can you tell me a bit about how you got into cycling?
1: Yeah, so I have been racing bikes since I was about 13 or 14. My dad did ultra endurance events, kind of 10 hour events on the mountain bike so I went along to those with him and I was doing the pits for him supporting him and then I realized that I kind of wanted to join in with the racing so we did quite a lot of pairs racing me and my dad and I really enjoyed the adventures up north and meeting different people and was quite successful in the races so then just decided to give um, cross country a crack and yeah just went straight into race the national series when I was about 14 and just yeah really naturally progressed through the ranks from there just enjoyed it when I was a kid
0: what was the first bike you remember having
1: my first bike was it was a trek and it was my sister's hand-me-down bike and I used to steal it from her on holiday and cycle off on it when it was too big for me and then I finally got hold of that and used that for a few years but it was really really heavy
0: So did you often go on cycling holidays with your family?
1: Yeah so I grew up riding bikes almost every weekend and all of our holidays were super outdoorsy. We uh, cycle toured through France and Germany. We had a triplet and a tandem because I have two two older sisters yeah. so that was quite interesting and then yeah I never did kind of the normal um, kids holidays like Disneyland or Centre Parks, and I always felt like I was missing out at the time, but now I'm really grateful because we went on so many cool adventures on the
0: bikes. Yeah. Do you remember your first race? I do. My first race was at the kids SXC at
1: Drumlanrig, And I must have been, so I kind of dabbled a little bit when I was really young and then went away from it. And this race, I think I must have been about eight or nine and it was pouring with rain. And I think the race was 10 minutes long and I didn't even finish the race because <laughs> I didn't want to be there. My my dad had dragged me there and I was wearing the wrong clothes and my trousers got caught in my uh, drivetrain. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it wasn't a very positive start.
0: <laughs> Did you join a club when you were younger?
1: Yeah, so the first club that I rode for was Glentress Riders, which actually doesn't exist anymore. And um, there was only a couple of us in the area riding for them. And <clears throat> Yeah, I basically just got a jersey and then wore that races and stuff, and then went on to ride for People's Cycling Club and kind of rode for different local clubs for a few years. And were there many other girls at your club? Uh, no. <laughs> the when I was in Glen Tress Riders, there was definitely I didn't really have any other female friends to ride with. I just rode with my dad, and then when I joined People's Cycling Club, that was when I started to meet other girls and. I started going to school there as well. So that was really nice because because it's such a popular place to go cycling anyway. Everyone rode bikes and a lot more girls rode bikes. Mm-hmm. So I think that's been a really nice place to grow up and, and progress as a bike rider and become a professional because you get encouragement from riding with girls that way. But it can be quite hard to find sometimes.
0: Yeah. What disciplines did you ride as a child? So I would
1: ride mostly on the road when i was very young with my parents on the back of the tandem or the triplet and then when i first started racing it was on the mountain bike cross country and then i also did cycle cross. i started that when i was about the same age about 14. and then i've kind of done a little bit of road racing but um n- not nothing at like a high level really i don't i don't enjoy racing on the road really anything off-road is is my thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah why do you think you chose mountain biking? Um, I think I've always really loved being in the hills and I love
1: nature I love being away from loud noises and busy places and mountain biking is a way to see so many of these amazing places and not just abroad but in Scotland there's so much to offer on a mountain bike and I think that's what drew me to it rather than kind of the the road riding side it's nice for some variation for training but you know there's cars and there's not as much variation in kind of what you can see and where you can go and stuff I guess so yeah I think it's just being outdoors and being in quiet places and having time to think.
0: Did you do any other sports? I did a few different sports I
1: did ballet I did gymnastics I did athletics but according to my parents I was really naughty at all the classes so (laughs) I was obviously not interested in anything so I think I was just waiting to find my sport which was cycling because it is the first sport that I really um, engaged with properly and really enjoyed doing.
0: Yeah when did you first race nationally? My first national season of racing was actually
1: my first proper year of racing I didn't just do the Scottish races I just decided to race the national UK races because best friend at the time was also racing them um so that was 2011 and I was a second year no I was a first year youth I think so about 14 um yeah 14 turning 15 and yeah I had I didn't know who anyone was I had no idea really what I was doing um and I remember at the end of that year I ended up being in the lead a national race and then I twisted my handlebars because I fell off and I didn't know how to fix them so I had to just walk
0: to the pits and I finished 13th
1: in that race which is my worst
0: one of the year which was a shame. (laughs) How did you find the progress to international racing? For me it was quite an organic
1: process because I never had a long-term goal of being professional or racing internationally it kind of just Kit racing and I'd do a bit better and then I'd get selected for a different race and then in 2012 I was selected for the European Youth Champs as Team Scotland and that was my first experience of kind of the world-class level of racing I suppose Um, and I got absolutely thrashed at that race. I (laughs) couldn't ride a bike technically very well because I hadn't come into mountain biking until relatively late so I missed out on a lot of the skills stuff that kids do now and yeah but that was really cool to see what you know a professional setup was like and what the level was and i think that was the race that i decided i think i did want to do to um take it as far as i could and then yeah i uh the year after that i raced my first world cup and yeah again didn't really know anyone and then finished fifth and i think i was like ooh. I'm quite good at this (laughs) maybe I'll keep going
0: and see what happens
1: so yeah it was just really organic and nothing was forced and it was it was a really nice way to enter international racing
0: yeah the international races always look like a really good weekend and really good place to watch yeah
1: the you can't kind of find that atmosphere and that that vibe anywhere else world cups are really special in that respect and the crowds are amazing just the the number of people there on the sidelines and you always find wherever you are there's people cheering for you it doesn't matter what country you're in a lot of people really like the Scots which is quite nice although everyone calls me Isla (laughs) but I can always hear my name Isla in the crowd but that's really nice and yeah it's just really special they always have a heartbeat on the start line at World Cups as well which is mega stressful it's just like in the space it's really loud
0: but yeah it's really it's really cool What's, what is it actually like riding for GB and being in some of the most beautiful places in the world? It's pretty awesome.
1: <laughs> um, I think it's easy when, when you kind of spend a lot of the year on GB trips and riding in GB kit. I think you kind of forget to appreciate the privilege Uh, that is representing your country because I think last year I might have raced five or six races for GB so it becomes a very normal thing just traveling the world with this group of really good riders and wearing the kit and representing something bigger than yourself but I had a big period of time about four years where I never rode for GB and in 2018 when I got the kit back again for the first time in four years I that kind of hit me it was it's a really special thing and it's made me really appreciate it a lot more. And the traveling is amazing. The only thing that I kind of um, feel is missing with the traveling is quite often we only go between the hotel and the racetrack. There's not a lot of time to explore the area, which I think um, is a bit of a shame because like I've been to Canada, but I've not really seen Canada. But I think the more kind of control I have like over like when I go and stuff, like I can kind of do stuff for myself. So yeah, it's good.
0: Yeah. Were you part of the Olympic development squad? Um, when I was younger. Yeah.
1: No, I wasn't actually. I only joined GB in two thousand eighteen when I was twenty two. Twenty two? Yep. Um, I was part of the Scottish cycling program uh, right from when I was fourteen up until then, and still am on the Scottish program. And I kind of felt like. It the Scottish programme fitted my kind of method a little bit better in terms of at the time you had to live in Manchester to be on the Olympic development programme and that wasn't really for me I love Scotland I'm very patriotic and I've also um, been studying as well so it kind of fitted more for me to stay in the Scottish cycling setup but now because I'm a senior there's a bit more freedom and um, I can now be on both programmes and get support from both which is really nice because the British cycling support is so invaluable to like my progression as a bike rider. I think it's um I think it's easy to think that you have to be on, you know, the British cycling program from when you're a kid to in order to make it as a professional rider, but that's not the case. Um and I think it's like important for people to kind of realize that there's lots of different pathways to becoming a professional bike rider. And British cycling is just one of
0: those. Yeah. So you've suffered from a few major injuries. Can you tell us a bit about those? Yes, so I,
1: my first kind of serious injury was in 2013 when I was 16, when I was hit by a car. And I fractured my spine and broke my collarbone. And that was kind of, the fractures in my spine were unstable at first, but then I didn't need surgery on them and they healed after two months, which was, A big relief and then that uh that accident was kind of physically i recovered after two three months but then emotionally i found out really hard for a long time it really affected my technical riding i was really scared of just falling off and hurting myself again um and that took me probably well i still now i'm a lot better than i used to be but i still have to take my time and stuff sometimes and and learn to trust myself properly and then obviously that was compounded by a second mm. spinal fracture in 2015 when I was out at Lenzer Hyde World Cup. I just There was only one feature on the track that I hadn't done and it was this big drop and I was so adamant that I was going to do it and I remember saying the morning I did it I said I don't care if I break my bones I'm going to do this drop <laughs> and then I went and I broke my spine <laughs> and my collarbone yeah. again. <laughs> um, um. Yeah, which was really sucky because, you know, I'd already done those injuries and but in a way it was kind of nice because I knew that I would recover from them because I had before. And um yeah, that was difficult because it kind of set me back again with my technical writing and I was emotional like emotionally quite hard. Doing that doing that kind of injury twice was hard. But
0: which, which side did you break your collarbone? Uh, the first time it was my left side and the second time it was my right side.
1: Okay. <laughs> so I have both and I have a big plate in my right side and a good star because oh, I had surgery okay. on that one.
0: <laughs> did um did these injuries affect your mental health?
1: Yeah. The first one the first one especially. Um it kind of it was a strange one because when did it happen 2013 and it kind of manifested itself um it didn't really surface for a few years and then in 2015 I was diagnosed with depression on after kind of chatting through with psychologists and stuff about that I kind of realized a lot of that was to do with the car accident um and just the impact that had on day like day-to-day life for me and then that was that was kind of hard because whilst kind of suffering from depression that's when the second accident happened so it was quite a rough few years for me as an under 20 under 23 rider I really struggled to um kind of get the best out myself as a racer because I had all this stuff going on in the background um but thankfully I'm kind of through all that now.
0: <laughs> Who supported you through that? The, so mainly Scottish Cycling um
1: Practitioners on the Scottish Institute Institute of Sport gave me a lot of support through that. I'm coached by Paul Newham, who's the Scottish Cycling Mountain Bike Coach, and he was really really helpful through that. And I managed to get psychologist support and physio and all the necessary stuff kind of to get through it. And I was really lucky to be on a so I was riding for my first professional team. The second accident I had and when I was um, suffering with my mental health and stuff and my team manager on that team was really understanding and I think that can sometimes not be the case so I was really really grateful for that and then yeah I just had a group of people around me particularly around Scottish Cycling who didn't give up on me as a bike rider because of that which was amazing because I didn't really race properly for like well I had a whole year where I didn't really race any World Cups and stuff and it was really nice to have a team behind me who knew it was okay and that it would get back to normal.
0: Yeah. How did you regain your fitness and your technical ability?
1: So the fitness thing kind of just came quite easy. Training for me has always been super simple. I love I love pushing my body to the limits and I love getting fitter. So I've never I've never struggled with that aspect of training. I really probably like my favorite bit of racing I guess and then the technical stuff I just for a long time I tried to force the technical riding and I would get myself you know really upset crying at features and frustrated with myself and putting pressure on myself and it took me a while to realize that that's not actually useful I've got to come in with a positive mindset and be nice to myself and give myself time so I kind of took a different approach after that and I just decided that I needed to do things in baby steps and that's I still do everything in baby steps because I actually think that's the best way to learn anyway but it would just be a case of riding my mountain bike as much as possible and riding new courses at races and but also not getting not getting too stressed about race tracks and I, I kind of my new thing is if I get to a race track and I'm worried about a section or I'm, you know I'm scared every time I ride it then I generally don't ride it in the race because if you're scared when you're in practice and you're fresh you're probably when your heart rate's 190 and your lap four is going to be even more risky so yeah just making sensible decisions and trusting in myself because I've written some pretty techie stuff now so I, when I go somewhere new I always try and think about something similar that I've written and that usually helps and riding with people who are better than you as well as well because it pushes you on
0: Yeah. I've recently watched your um, video of Food Anxiety. Please can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so basically
1: I've I kind of had a lot of conversations with other female riders and not to say that male riders don't experience a similar thing, I just have never had an open conversation with, with a male rider, but i would had lots of conversations with other girls about, about food and about girls not being comfortable in their own bodies and um, getting stressed and not eating enough and not understanding that food is fuel and I went through something quite similar the year I was qualifying for Commonwealth Games and just got really obsessive with it and um, tried to be really controlling with it and I, I just decided after all these conversations I had that I just really think that there needs to be more discussion about about food and about the female body in sport and about our relationship with food um and I guess that was why I wanted to make the video was just coming from like an athlete racing at high level I think that's probably the best person it can come from because it gives other riders reassurance that you know we're all in the same boat and a lot more people are experiencing it than you think it's just that that we're not talking about it because maybe we think we're alone or that you know we're weird because we're having these crazy thoughts like I did some weird stuff when I was struggling with food like I when I kind of was getting a bit better I still could only eat cheese every second day for like a year (laughs) like really (laughs) stupid things like that Mm -hmm. um speaking to other people i realized everyone has like quite weird things they do and um I also kind of the past year after last season I really relaxed with my food in terms of I always eat really healthily because I enjoy that aspect of food anyway. I love lots of greens and lots of fruit and just like eating a really like organic, simple diet. But also I just decided that I was going to eat cake and chocolate as well. And I had the best winter ever training. I never got ill. I felt really strong in the cross cross season. And then I just decided to keep it going through the first part of the season before coronavirus hit. And I felt amazing. And I was like getting the best numbers I'd had on the power meter and that's why I made the video as well because I was like actually donuts do make me faster so (laughs) everyone should eat more donuts
0: (laughs) and also on the video you said that you make your own snack for the ride yeah
1: yeah so I like to have maybe five or six different options in the freezer so that I can just pick them out and put them in my back pocket and then by the time I eat them they're ready to eat but it's normally like yeah banana bread or um at the moment I have some savory waffles which are pretty good and then yeah flapjack that kind of thing although I need to get some more savory recipes because I don't eat too much sweet stuff not in terms of, like I'm not worried about eating sweet stuff but it just gets a bit boring yeah um, and then if you eat loads of sweet stuff on the, your ride you feel like you can't then have a cake <laughs> when you go home there because you <laughs> eat so much sweet stuff
0: so yeah <laughs>
1: but it's not it's not always easy for everyone to make their own snacks, so yeah, sometimes i I don't if I'm in a rush.
0: so you're studying nutrition at university. How are you finding sort of juggling, studying alongside training and racing?
1: It works out pretty well because I study between September and March, so I'm generally home a lot more in that time anyway, and um it's quite nice when I do have race trips. I actually quite enjoy studying on those trips because it's a nice distraction it's definitely a little bit tricky sometimes with catching up on stuff if, when I'm in like an intense racing uh, week like if I'm in the middle of two world cups it's hard for me to get into the study mindset um because mm-hmm. my kind of racing world feels very far away from my uni world sometimes but I really like it I think I think it's really useful for some people I definitely think I'm happier doing studying because I definitely place a lot of my self-worth on how I ride my bike and my results. And I've been full-time, a full-time athlete and also been studying. So I've kind of experienced both. And when I was full-time riding, you know, I'd get back from a race and whatever that result was, was kind of who I was until the next race. Whereas now I can go home and I've got an exam or I've got some, like test I need to do. Yeah. So There's other, other ways for me to kind of feel worthy and useful, which is really nice.
0: How did you balance this through school and college? Um, I actually never really trained properly while I was still at school. Yeah. Um,
1: when I so I left school after fifth year when I was sixteen. So I kind of got the grades I needed to go to uni, and then I had a year out where I just worked and trained, and that was the first year where I did a structured training program. And I'm really, I'm really glad that I left it that late to train as an athlete because I get quite a lot of people asking me you know like like younger kids like 13 14 asking me what training they should do and I really think at that age it's just about doing what you enjoy and finding out what you enjoy and doing different sports and different disciplines and going on adventures and I because I kind of exercised my whole childhood I rode a bike I had that kind of base fitness without without having to build that up and then it meant that when I was kind of old enough to to choose to do cycling. Um I really enjoyed that part of training. I remember my Paul Newnham used to set me training when I was a youth and I definitely never did it. <laughs> <laughs> but he kept his faith. Um yeah, I think I think if you're if you're if you're at school and you're stressed about
0: like juggling training and
1: and school, then you're probably doing too much training, I would say.
0: Yeah. What sort of training do you do now? So I do quite a lot of different training because I really like variety.
1: Um, So I do a mix of mountain bike and road. I do quite a lot of running. I've done more running than I ever have this year. I do gym. When the climbing walls are open, I do a bit of climbing. And um, this summer has been obviously a bit different because of coronavirus, but I've done a lot of, a lot more hours than I have ever done before, which is really nice. I've done about up to 25 hours a week. And then I, so that's like for three weeks. And then I have a week off where I just kind of see how I feel. Um, But because of coronavirus, I was desperate to get out of the house. So my rest weeks ended up being like 15 hour weeks. (laughs) Anyway, um, that's been really nice. It's made me really strong. And a lot of that was just, you know, four or five hours on the road or on the mountain bike. Where I live, I live in Glasgow now and there's not very good mountain biking here so I spent a lot more time on the road but yeah and then now that the season is hopefully starting we have a few races happening I've started to do some hill efforts and some shorter stuff and some more like racy mountain bike stuff and I'll also do less running in the season because otherwise I'm too tired.
0: Yeah. Do you prefer to ride alone or with other people? uh alone because um i'm super
1: rigid with my training sessions and i feel like people get in the way (laughs) um and i'm very if i go on a kind of if i have a three hour zone two road ride i will be riding in zone two for those three hours and i'm really irritating to ride because if people go too slow or too fast then i just um i i think it's important to ride with other people sometimes especially for technical riding my boyfriend um has a group of friends who are all really good enduro riders so riding with them is really good for my skills because like they just kind of ride these trails and then I have to just follow them on my xc bike um which is really cool but yeah I like I like remix, but definitely for structured kind of interval training at the first myself
0: what advice would you give yourself now if you were an 16 again
1: um My advice would be don't change anything (laughs) basically I think the older I've got and the more the more I want to win the kind of less um, natural it's felt and when I was when I was 16 and I I did like a year as a junior with my dad and we went to a couple junior world series and my first Junior World Series that we went, well, my first World Cup, I got fifth, and then my first Junior World Series the next year, I got third and when I look back I don't remember worrying about other riders I don't remember you know worrying about how the race was going to go. I just when the gun went, I went as hard as I could, and I always left every race, you know whatever the result was, I did my best, and it was so simple and you know, the more it kind of gets so complicated psychologically when you become, you know, like now I'm, I'm kind of break into the top 10 at a World Cup and and I want it a lot more than I used to, but I'm also, you know, I know all the other riders now and I, I think a lot more and it's not always good for me. So I would love to just have the same mindset that my 16-year-old self had.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to get back to there. <laughs> Do you have a favourite race that you've done?
1: My favourite ever race was... Uh, Nova Mesta World Cup last year um, when I got 15th because I love that track it's really technical it's kind of fun technical it's just there's there's always something happening and you it requires so much concentration and, you, and there's loads of different sections and it can be quite tactical and yeah I kind of went into last year as a first year elite thinking I would be in the top 40 and then finishing 15th was a result that I thought was kind of two years away maybe so that was a crazy crazy day Mm -hmm. um and then that yeah so that's also one of my favorite tracks and then my other favorite track is uh World Cup which is probably because I've had quite a few different um experiences there obviously I fractured my spine there but then the year after I did that I went back and got Um, like a career best under 23 result
0: (laughs) at the time
1: and then last year I also got an elite career best when I was 14 so I've had really good races there and also quite bad times there but I'm quite sentimental about that place.
0: (laughs) Yeah do you prefer to have one of the more technical courses or one of the more sort of power driven courses?
1: I would have said before last year that I was better on like hilly less technical courses but both my best performances were on the technical less hilly courses last year so to be honest I don't mind I I like to think that I'm probably like an all-rounder now in terms of I can go well on any course but I definitely prefer I need there to be hills because I like going uphill Um, and I like the technical stuff as long as it's not I don't really like courses that have like a hard packed track and then this massive feature I prefer it when it's kind of like rocky and ritty and like concentrating technical rather than yeah. like oh my god that's really scary technical.
0: yeah <laughs> it must have been nice for you to go back and get a great result after what happened
1: yeah it's a it's a weird one that because I guess this is another reason why being a 16 year old was nice because all the tracks were new and I had no memories on them but When you have a, because the World Cup tracks are generally the same every year, you can go from one year having the worst race ever to the next year having the best, but it's hard to go back to a track knowing you had a bad race or knowing you had a big crash. But I think that's kind of all part of the mental side of racing, just like putting that stuff to the side and focusing on the race.
0: Yeah. Where's your favourite place to ride, like just for fun?
1: Honestly, the Tweed Valley in Scotland, because. I'm very biased um, because I I lived there from 2012 to last year. And I kind of, that's where I did a lot of my training. Um, But there's the variety of trails and the density of trails in the Tweed Valley is like nowhere else. And you can ride, I could do, I've made this 100 kilometer mountain bike route and it takes in like all the best trails in the Tweed Valley you don't cross the same path twice. There's just so much riding Um, and there's like 3000 meters of climbing as well. So it's like, it's crazy. And, and yeah, there's something for everyone there. There's, I've done so much riding on the kind of enduro stuff. So I'm kind of better at that than the trail center stuff, but yeah, you've got Glen Tress for beginners and yeah, more kind of built up stuff. And then there's been an EWS there. So there's really techy tracks and it's just a nice place to be. It's just a really nice vibe.
0: That sounds really cool. I think I'd really like to go there sometime. Have you never been? No. I I live um, in Devon, so I'm like right down the bottom. So I've never been. (gasps) I don't think I've ever been past Wales, really, or London. Oh, my gosh.
1: Well, (laughs) you definitely need to go on a trip to the Tree Valley. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I better put that on my checklist for the next five years or so. (laughs) (laughs) Is there somewhere that you'd really like to ride in the future? There's quite a lot of places. Um, (laughs) I would really like to go and
1: ride the Colorado Trail in America. My boyfriend did it last year and we have a plan to tour it um, when I retire, whenever that is. And I think because I've only been to America once for a race last year and I didn't really like the place. I know everyone talks about Colorado and how good the the mountain biking is there so I'd really like to go back and kind of rectify my view of (laughs) mountain biking there um uh yeah there's loads of places I think I'd love to go to um Whistler because I know it gets hyped up a lot every time I I say to someone, is it as good as everyone thinks it is they're like yes (laughs) (laughs) so I'd love to go there and I'd love to do some kind of like more mountainous stuff in the hills in Scotland. We have loads of really good mountain, like natural mountain biking in the wilderness, I guess, and that's really nice as well. So I'd love to do more of that.
0: Who's your favorite current rider? My favorite current rider. I think I have aspects
1: like there's different things from different riders that that I really admire and I really love. Like I really admire Annika Langberg because. Um, she qualified as a dentist and was studying the year that she won world championship it's super cool and then kind of on the other end of the spectrum you've got someone like Jenny Rizvedz who obviously won the Olympics when she was 22 and struggled a lot with her mental health and yeah I just think you know when you think about how bad your problems might be with a sport, or if I'm having a bad day, or wherever. I think about what she went through and how she, you know, you achieve your lifelong dream when you're 22. Like, what do you do? Um, yeah, and then, yeah, I like I, I like a lot of different writers. I love Yolanda Ness because she is so ballsy and she just goes out there like every single race and just like goes as hard as she can. Um. Yeah I don't have a particular rider and I'm I'm. what's cool is I'm learning you know these riders are still inspirations to me but sometimes I might find myself with one of them in a race yeah. and that's super cool for me because it's like I can learn from them firsthand rather than just seeing them you know on Red Bull TV or whatever and that's new for me yeah. that's really cool.
0: Yeah I think I sort of feel a bit the same sometimes like when I see that somebody's ready to start chatting with me, I get so nervous because <laughs> like my big inspirations and then I'm about to just talk to them. It's really cool.
1: <laughs> it's a really cool thing you're doing though. It's such a good way to like talk to people about cycling because cycling's awesome.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Who's your favourite rider of all time? Probably
1: Gunrita Dal. The races that she did, like she was very good at marathon, which is something that I am d- going to do more of um, and really want to, I really want to win marathon world champs and stuff as well. And she also, you know, she had a kid and then came back into the sport and you get kind of a lot of riders, older riders who retire, but don't really retire. And you kind of spend a few years not kind of not doing as good as they did or whatever. Whereas she, gunrita literally won a world cup the year she retired which i think is is so cool she was 44 i think when she won the world cup um and yeah i just think she's you know when you when i feel stressed about not achieving what i want to achieve or not being where i want to be i'm like i am 23 and she won a world cup when she was 44. yeah calm down (laughs) so yeah she's a super cool lady
0: Obviously, the mountain bike season has been really affected this year. How do you feel about races starting so late in the year? And how have you prepared for that?
1: Yeah, it's been weird. And it's been up and down, I think, for everyone. from a, It's hard as well because professional sport and racing is such a tiny little bubble that I've almost felt it's been hard to kind of the struggle has felt hard because I feel like I shouldn't be struggling in a way because it's like, it's just racing, but it also is my world. So um it kind of worked out well for me in a way because I had a operation on my throat in March and I was not due to race until May anyway. So that was kind of nice because it gave myself time to recover properly and not stress too much about getting back on form. And then obviously yeah when stuff kept getting cancelled it it was quite stressful because a lot of riders just said okay I'm just going to take some time off now and then get back into training in like a month or whatever and I never did that I was super like oh well I've already had this off I need to train 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 so I've trained really and like really intensely focused for a few months which has been great but I also you know races have been cancelled all over the place so emotionally it's like it's been quite hard um Like training's sort of been my sanity because it's the only thing that has felt normal. But at the same time, Mm. um, I struggle to take time off. So I think I probably should have been a bit kinder to myself and done that. But um, it's, yeah, I had my first race last week or a week and a half ago. And um, it's weird going to a race and nobody really, the, the result is like not really relevant and it's weird for, because all the riders have been in a different position, like, we've been very lucky that we can train, we've been able to train outside the whole time, so it's really, yeah, it's really difficult, and I don't, it's hard, because I've not seen many riders, and I've not spoken to many riders about how they're dealing with it, and, um, yeah, it's just, it's hard to know how to train, and whether I need to, like, and be on my best form for if world championships happen in October and stuff but you just have to take each race as it comes and right now I'm going to Switzerland on Thursday for two races so you know I just think okay these races are happening and then we'll kind of come back and see where we're after that and try and just I've tried to try to do some more adventures and just been a bit more relaxed and that's been really nice because I have done a lot more things I would never get to do because I'm normally away at this time of year.
0: How did you get on in the, on that first race? Um, I was
1: really not disappointed, but I was, um, so last year, like I was saying earlier, I like think too much when I race and I had quite a lot of psychological stuff that I needed to work on last year. Cause last season I either had my best day ever or my worst day ever. I never, I can really struggle to find that in between. And, um, I think because of lockdown and because of not racing for six months, I thought that I'd kind of sorted it all out and it was fine. And then I went to the race and kind of mm-hmm. hit me like a slap in the face. I was like, okay, why would, you know, why would all this stuff have got better if I hadn't worked on it for six months? So mm-hmm. it was okay. Like I was 13 and it was a really good field. Um, but at the same time, I didn't really get best at myself, I think. So I'm excited for these next races to work on that and, yeah cuz yeah like the fitness is fine for me that's not the issue but my
0: head <laughs> mm-hmm. have you learned anything about yourself during lockdown
1: yeah i have um i think i learned that despite you know getting to the end of each season for me and being like oh my god i hate traveling i i'm so emotionally exhausted from racing i actually generally feel a lot more fulfilled and alive when I am sitting at like either end of the emotional spectrum because the whole of lockdown I kind of have just been bang in the middle and it's felt quite numb um, and boring and like I've had things to do but I've just felt quite emotionally bored and I think it's because I'm so used to like you know every few weeks I'm in a different place and you know I either have a great day in a race or a bad day so like either way I'm always working through some sort of emotional thing whereas like during lockdown it was just like oh let's get up and do the same thing today and the next day and the next day Mm -hmm. so I think I'm going to embrace that kind of emotional journey a bit more because I think I need that. (laughs)
0: Yeah what's your aim for 2021?
1: My aim is to kind of do everything I wanted to do this year with racing um I'd like to break into the top 10 at World Cup. And it's also the year to qualify for Commonwealth Games. So I'd like to do that. And would like to just have a more kind of consistent season as well. Last year, my best result was 14, and my worst result was 40. So I would like to be, well, a top 10 and then somewhere in the middle. That would be nice. <laughs> um, In
0: 2022, the... Scotland is hosting the world champs. How do you feel about that?
1: Super excited. Um, I think at the moment, it's far enough away that I'm just thinking, oh, it's so cool. It's going to be so good. The crowds are going to be amazing, home world champs. But I know the closer it gets, the more stressed I'm going to feel. Um, But I like to think that kind of if I stay on track for where I'm at, then. By the time that race comes, I would just, I would love to meddle at that event. I think it would be yeah. the best thing ever because it's just, it is once in a lifetime for a lot of people. But I remember, do you know Reese Wilson, the downhiller? Yeah. So I remember I found out about it and, and I put it up on my Instagram and he texted me saying, whoa, are you serious? And then I was like, yeah. And then he sent me another text and like, I just realized how stressful this is going to feel for us. And I was like,
0: yeah, it's going to be horrible.
1: <laughs> but it's super cool. I'm really excited.
0: Yeah, where do you see yourself in five years' time?
1: In five years' time, I would like to have won a world cup and maybe have a stripey jersey. We'll see. And I will hopefully have finished my degree by then as well. That would be nice. And I'd like to well be twenty eight, so I'd like to be a full time bike racer at the front of bike races.
0: So you've got five minutes before you head down to the start of a race. What's on your playlist to get you motivated?
1: Okay, so at the moment, I'm listening to a lot of Machine Gun Kelly, which is, he's a rap singer, but he also has this kind of like side hustle thing, which is not rap. It's kind of like like 182 type stuff, rocky pop stuff. Yeah. And I really like that. That's really good. And then I also like really bad dance music kind of stuff. Like um, Alan Walker, all of his songs, like "Faded." That's the ultimate warm up song. I
0: that song. Um,
1: yeah, so good. Um, so yeah, I like quite like just like really like good vibe stuff and and um, positive stuff. I listen. I listen to the podcast you did with Camry Mason and some of his warm-up music I'm like I would never warm up <laughs> but
0: everyone has their own their own way <laughs> yeah I found that with everybody everybody that I've interviewed they've had like a different type of music and some people I've been really surprised with what they oh, really With what they listen to
1: <laughs> yeah it's funny
0: <laughs> thank you for coming on today Isla. it's been a really great chat to you
1: no problem it was really nice to chat
0: And thank you to all the listeners. They can check out our Instagram at cycling.talk.podcast and they can find our podcast on Spotify and ACAS at Cycling Talk Podcast. See you on the bike.